Oh no. <laughs> oh <laughs> to, uh, yes. Off to a great start. Pew 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 pew. We haven't even said tonight on Rogue Padron and we're already saying oh no. Oh no. <laughs> tonight on Rogue Padron, another terribly named superstar destroyer. Shala is the real MVP. Bleed and die, yub yub. A slugging match, and all present and no accounting for. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. take my gun out of my mouth there we go <laughs> <laughs> but what if you didn't though i i'd be worse than usual <laughs> what's up listeners welcome to season six missing missing mission six of rogue padron Tonight, we'll be covering chapters 17 through 21 of X-Wing Iron Fist, which is the rest of the book, uh, which is super exciting. But before that, quick reminder of your hosts. If Saf Rogue Seven was a version of Batman, she would be the Christian Bale Batman because she just murderizes everything in her path. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, actually. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Oh, no. I have been in Saf's path before, and I remain unmurderized. Do you, are you though? <laughs> Not after <laughs> this, <you> apparently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Danny Rogue Six would be the Adam West Batman because he would be the most likely to yell zany one-liners and use sound effects like "bath," "zat," "kablam." <laughs> you betcha, kapow, kapow. <laughs> Heath Rogue 3 would be Michael Keaton Batman which is my favorite Batman Um, oh everybody alright Seth and I are out (laughs) I've called Seth my favorite like six times over the course of it's true yeah this this is the first time anyone other than Seth has been the favorite I'll, I'll accept it for once. Yeah. Well, how nice for you. <laughs> <laughs> one day, Danny. One day. <laughs> and Maybe I if I didn't well, leader. actually, your host introductions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a reason. <laughs> Slash interrupt you every time you tried to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Meg, rogue leader. And I would be George Clooney Batman because like him, I don't really belong in a Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> when, when has the suit with the bat nipples that's george clooney <laughs> <laughs> and a butt and a butt close-up yeah yeah it's the good one it's the good batman is, is it <laughs> it's my favorite batman that's all right it doesn't have to mean that it's a good batman though <laughs> yeah okay Okay, well, speaking of getting uncomfortably intimate with Meg Humphreys, I have a question about Star Wars. <laughs> episode That's definitely eight. not my last name, Danny. <laughs> Danny. 
There's there's multiple of you. I don't know. Oh, no. Is one of is one of them Natalie Portman? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> the Last Jedi. <laughs> this is less of a question and more of a theoretical conversation because oh, Star Wars Twitter is ablaze with I don't know, what is Star Wars Twitter ablaze with? Angst, Hate. hatred, <laughs> hot Hates. takes, drama, <laughs> think pieces. Uh, last night, we were randomly informed that the directors of the Han Solo movie were fired, which, okay. But it just kind of raises the question of, when we're looking at our Star Wars movies, who's really calling the shots here? How much of a say do the directors actually have versus Lucasfilm? And it just got me thinking that it seems like if Lucasfilm was like disagreeing this much with the directors, like they really are the ones calling the shots. But on the other hand, Ryan Johnson, who directed The Last Jedi, has all the time just been like, I'm making the movie I want. Mm-hmm. And it especially seems to me that like if Lucasfilm was going to call the shots on certain movies, it'd be Ryan Johnson's movie and not Han Solo movie. So like, what what's going on here? I, yeah, having heard Ryan Johnson talk about it and having read and heard a lot about the making of Force Awakens, it seems like it's the opposite of what you would think, where both J.J. and Ryan have just kind of been given freedom to tell the stories they want to tell. And I'm wondering if it's a case where they know Han Solo is such a beloved character that they had a very particular vision for what a young Han Solo movie had to look like and it just wasn't doing that for them yeah i'm with you on that and i wonder if part of it is also that like jj and ryan got a lot of freedom like they've gotten a lot of freedom but it's because their freedom works in the direction of the vision that lucasfilm has so like even though they're making the story they want to make it aligns with the idea that lucasfilm had for these films whereas maybe lord and miller had their idea of Han Solo and it kind of completely diverged from what Lucasfilm was thinking, which caused the issues. Yeah. And that may be part of why it took so long for this to happen. Like, yeah, it may have started out where they were given a lot of freedom and then it was, they like tried to rein it in a little bit and get it back to like the vision they had or what felt right to Lucasfilm and the people in charge. And they just didn't end up getting there. Yeah. I think that all makes sense. It, it It is not intuitive in my brain because I feel like if we're going to have movies where the directors get to like go wild with their unique visions, it'd be the standalones. And it's it's really bizarre to me that it's just the opposite. But it might just be that Lucasfilm isn't ready to let anyone have their own vision yet. And yeah, like you said, Ryan and J.J. are just really good at kind of towing the company line, whereas Lord Miller... And it'd be unsurprising to learn that they would be less willing necessarily to fall in line with what Lucasfilm wants them to do. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, like, on one hand, I completely understand it because Lucasfilm is a big company and Star Wars is a big thing and they don't want to take unnecessary risks, especially when it's still, like, relatively early on in the new movies. But on the other hand, I'm also like, if you're going to hire, like, like, because they've hired, like, kind of indie directors, but if you're going to hire, like, established directors like Lord and Miller, who are relatively established at this point and have done big movies, I'm still like, wouldn't you know, like, wouldn't you at least assume that you'd give them that certain amount of freedom but on the other hand it could have just been something that was built up and they didn't prepare for um but i do hope that this isn't like a bad sign for the anthology films because i do really want to see different takes on star wars and like different genres and different styles and if they're determined to keep that star wars style even across those it's gonna start to feel a bit 
too samey for me, I think. So I'm kind of hoping that it's just because the personality, the creative personalities clashed and not so much that they don't want different things. Yeah, that's the part that raised my hackles too. Like, let's be real. It's the Han Solo movie. I don't think I'm alone in saying that I don't actually really care that much. But like, as far as the bigger picture for Lucasfilm, like I do want to eventually see like really unique visions in Star Wars. And if what we're actually just seeing is like Lucasfilm Star Wars over and over and over again, like that's going to get stale real fast. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, I'm kind of with you. I don't really care about Han Solo that much. If they'd done something different and interesting that wasn't just like Star Wars, I probably would be more into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not one. I don't really care. Um, but (laughs) also I, I, it's probably the same reasons why like Edgar Wright left Ant-Man, which was also a big hubbub um, when that happened. I forgot about that. Edgar Wright has a huge like fan base has very distinct films and everyone was like, Oh no, like, he left. What's all these problems? This movie's going to be garbage. And Ant Man's one of my favorite MCU movies. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's going to be whatever it is. And like these things happen in movies. It's probably just that the fact that it's a Star Wars movie that like it's breaking news. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Um, yeah. But you know, people butt heads and visions butt heads and things don't always work out. And I think Lucasfilm is doing what's best for Lucasfilm, even if it's, you know, causes panic in some fans now. Yeah, there are enough other, cre- like, high up creative people working on this film that it's not just going to fall apart because the two right, directors exactly, stepped out. Like, yeah, exactly. Where it's like, oh, the director stepped out and now we don't have any actors and we don't, we need a new script. It's not like all of those things happen. <laughs> Like, yep. we're, it's fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you as well that Ant-Man is, like, one of my favorite, yeah. well, if, if not my favorite MCU film. And, right. like, I totally forgot about that whole thing entirely. Right. And he, everyone was like, oh, my God, Edgar Wright, this is going to be the worst. I can't believe this <laughs> happened. Why did this happen? And now, like, no one remembers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we as fans... Not necessarily us for, but right. general in general and fans, especially Star Wars fans, are ready to riot over anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> well, and I really appreciate. I think it was eleven thirty-eight last night that basically said, "Doesn't it feel good, like for once this year, to just like totally freak out about something that's completely un- inconsequential?" <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Like yeah. it's not yeah. the life and death <laughs> battles that we've been having the rest of the year over like healthcare and immigrant yeah. rights. It's just like the directors of our favorite franchise got fired. Oh my god. Uh... <laughs> yeah, what are we gonna do? Back to the good old days yeah. where it really doesn't matter. We could just freak out for the fun of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was nice to like talk about something new with Star Wars for once as well, even if it was this. That's true. Yeah. We haven't had any like big news in a while, so it was kind of fun <laughs> from that yeah. angle. Yeah. All right, in good question about Last Jedi. Rogue leader, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Rogue leader says everything's fine. Everything's that, fine. That means everything is fine. I yeah. trust Rogue leader. Thank you. Speaking well, of everything speaking of being things fine. that aren't, aren't fine. <laughs> nothing is fine. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. Nothing's nothing's all right. Um, I do want to know how scared were you when Face's um, X-Wing got hit? I was so scared. <laughs> I was so scared. But then I was like, no, he can't die because he still has to do whatever Ton told him to do. And then I was like, I... he doesn't do it. 
I was convinced he was gone and I was ready to burn the book. Just like, <laughs> nope, you can't take Tan and Face in the same book. Nope. Ooh. Anyway, I'm glad I could give you that, those things. <laughs> yeah, we're glad too. Thanks, Meg. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for those feels. I Thanks really for those things. <laughs> so in chapter 17, we start off with Wedge is giving the Kuat mission briefing in a too small room on Hawkbat base. Their best guess is that the new Superstar Destroyer is orbiting around the main planet Kuat itself, but the New Republic has been unable to confirm its existence. Piggy's team has speculated that the Hawkbats will be part of a defensive screen for the new Superstar Destroyer for it to fly out of system safely. The ship needs to be stolen before Warlord Gabor arrives. He will then have a mercenary group fly cover along with Iron Fist until the new Superstar Destroyer will escape. This is a good plan because it lessens the personal cost to Warlord Gabor, and any surviving pilots will be needing new jobs, and they'll probably be the better pilots that live and most likely go to work for Warlord Gabor directly. Oh, I said Warlord Gabor so many times in that. (laughs) (laughs) But this is all educated guesswork, but it's Piggy, so I trust. He assures them that if they're wrong, they'll just need to improvise. And although the execution of their objectives may be difficult, they are very clear. Wedge stops here to remind everyone that this is the best shot at taking out Warlord Gabor and Iron Fist. That means their safety and survival come second. Okay, thanks, Wedge. Wedge. (laughs) (laughs) Just so you know, I will sacrifice all (laughs) y'all. Uh, let's see. Wedge will be weighing his decisions on what will be best for the mission, not for the individuals. Their first objective is to plant a tracking device on the Iron Fist, the new Superstar Destroyer, or both. They have a few options. Kasten's code, an actual communicator that transmits when Warlord Gabor uses his comm units, or an actual stowaway or one of the wraiths invited aboard as part of the advance team. The second goal is to stay alive. (laughs) Kuat is an enemy to Warlord Gabor but it's also an enemy to the New Republic any damage they do to Kuat is good but also please live to fly another day they will be split into three groups group one is the Hawkbats Wedge, Face, Dia, Kel, Tyria and Piggy they will go fly, fight and kill group two is hopefully the advance party Lara, Shala, and Dia have had their fake profiles forwarded to Warlord Gabor, and he may pick one or two for their party. Okay, question. Yes. Why, why was Lara included in this? Doesn't Warlord Gabor know her? They, they have disguises. know that. Yeah, they don't know that. And I think they did mention about them having disguises, I think. So yeah. she's got like falsified like looks and stuff. I think also because they have a feeling that Warlord Gabor does know about her because of that... Um, her brother being his agent from what they think. Right. Um, so they probably would disguise her anyways. Gotcha. Yeah. Who knows? Seems risky. Yeah, it does. But that's what the <laughs> raves do best. <laughs> yes, it is. Make mistakes. <laughs> Group three are the wraiths as themselves. They'll go up with the Mon Ramonda to get ready to get the drop on wherever Warlord Gabor will take the new superstar to space. Super Star Destroyer out of hyperspace. You can do this, Meg. <laughs> nope. <laughs> we believe in you. 
He won't take an untested ship on a long jump, so Wiz has plotted out the most likely courses that they are stationing as many New Republic ships in these places as possible. Theoretically, there will be enough time for the Hawkbat group to head back to the Mon Ramonda and join this part of the fight as wraiths. Warlord Gabor calls for the Hawkbats later that day. In hours, the group assembles. Shala, or rather her Hawkbat pers- persona, Katya Nasen, has requested has was requested to join the party with Warlord Gabor. She'll take off by herself, which will be super fun for her. The race are ready in their standard orange jumpsuits, and the Hawkbats are in their gray with appropriate disguisey makeup. I was Wedge so excited la- that Shala got selected. I know. I, was I really like, like Shala. yes, finally time to see her kick some major ass, and I was not disappointed. No, <laughs> I was also scared she was going to die because she was going alone. <laughs> that was also a thought that I had. Everyone's going to die. Wedge is the last to arrive in a matte black tie uniform with extra snaps and carrying a sack. The pilots are called to attention and Wedge stands before them. Let's see. He gives them an inspirational speech, which if I can actually find where that is, I'm going to read it to you. <laughs> He says he's not giving a speech, but he totally is. <laughs> the race have learned have ha- I know such wedge. <laughs> the race have had to learn lessons fast, faster than any unit I've ever belonged to or commanded. I regret the speed of your education because inevitably it's intrusive and painful. As much as I'm glad you've been able to absorb it. Recent events, especially Rudd's dance and the behavior of Silver Review at that celebration, have convinced me that you've learned another lesson, as individuals and as a unit. The lesson involves watching out for one another. You're now doing it as second nature. You need to keep that up today, perhaps more than any other day in our recent history. Do it, and more of us will come back. For those of you who believe in the Force, may it be with you and guide you. For those who don't, trust your intent, your weapons, and your wingmen. Okay, yeah, two things. Right. Yeah. One. Okay, three things. One, I'm crying. <laughs> two. <laughs> um, I love that prom happened. Mm-hmm. And that was what allowed Wedge to recognize these things in his fellow pilots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> prom was good for everybody. Yeah. But I also love that Wedge wasn't like, Prom was a good time. Wedge was like, I'm using prom to evaluate the pilots and see if they've learned a lesson. Yes, it's so Wedge. It's yep. so Wedge. Papa Wedge. <laughs> and then I also okay, just I... really appreciate that he recognized that different people have different religious beliefs. And he didn't just force, LOL, ha 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 ha, his belief in the force on all of them. I also really like just saying have faith in your wingmen because I don't know why, but as I was reading it, I think it was because like 1am and I was super emotional. Um, but I just kind of like teared up a bit there because I was like, they have faith in each other and love each other so much. <laughs> this big group of dum-dums. And you're like, I love them so much. And I was really like, I was like, have faith in your wingmen and please nobody die. Just all look after each other, please. And go live forever somewhere where it's happy. Yep. Please. Okay. When they're dismissed, Wedge heads toward his interceptor and asks Widge for it. Widge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Widge. It's Widge. happening. <laughs> from the double. Widge he and Tellies. <laughs> uh, 
from the duffel, he pulls out Lieutenant Ketch, clad in Hawkbat Grays, with appropriate apparatuses to help him reach the controls. Wedge has Wiz help strap Lieutenant Ketch to him, so that if anyone looks into the cockpit, they will actually see an Ewok pilot. Of course, Wiz has, has to give him some hard times first, and says, you know, it's probably against the law to impersonate an Ewok. Before he just, you know, salutes and leaves. I love so much that in this, like, super important battle, he's like, you know what? I'm going to puppeteer an Ewok in my like, ink. Oh my you know God. what? It's so absurd. <laughs> well, and you know that he's, like, rolling his eyes about it, too. It's like, this practical joke got so far out of control that now I have to spend the final battle, like, dressed in black with an Ewok on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not and the you know, worst he way just, to spend it. He Is just woke up in the of middle this? of the there night. There has got to be fan art of this. Right? I really want to see it. He just Googling woke up right in the middle now. of the night and was like, I need to strap catch to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. <laughs> was just like, oh no. Oh my god, there's someone who cosplayed Wedge holding catch. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, I'm so into all of this. <laughs> the Sungrass arrives at its meeting place. Warlord Gabor has an impressive fleet with him. Star Destroyers, Interdictors, Karak light cruisers, corvettes, and cargo vessels. The Sungrass is instructed to dock inside the Iron Fist. Face comes out with Shala to meet Melvar. He briefly assesses Shala and asks her about her data pad. She reveals that it's a weapon. The edge has been reinforced so she can use it in a pinch to insert into someone, which you. Yep. But in reality, it doesn't. It does have that purpose, but it's also filled with some explosives and a smaller data pad for her to use to plant their tracking devices. Melvar brings out Captain Netbers. Why are they all terrible names? One of their hand-to-hand <laughs> trainers to assess Shala. He, she quickly breaks his nose and kicks his junk. And <laughs> <laughs> all you gotta do, apparently. <laughs> He never lands a hit on her, and Melvar cuts it off when Netburz is unable to fully stand. Netburz doesn't think she can kill a Wookiee, but she's probably the closest person who could. Melvar asks if they'll launch from the Iron Fist, but Face says Ketch is feeling too fussy, and they'll just launch from the Sungrass. <laughs> they'll get into the right frequency and unscramble the communications, and Shala will be taken to her unit. Real talk. I'm so excited about how far this catch thing has gone. It goes so far. <laughs> I honestly thought it was going to like end in that first time they mentioned it. It wasn't going to be brought Ever. up again. I did not expect this of all things. It never ends. <laughs> Let's see. There are eight Inshallah's group altogether. Four dressed as stormtroopers. Three as Kuwait. Uh, Kuat drive drive yards workers and Shala, who is dressed in a very nice like upper middle class Coruscant outfit. They had spent two years building up a colonel smuggling ring in order to learn when the Razor's Kiss would have the, which is the Super Star Destroyer, the worst, would have the <laughs> least people on board the security, and when the security was the lowest. That is the worst kind of kiss. <laughs> Why would you name that? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Razor's kiss. Gosh. Their plan is to take a shuttle to the officer's landing bay, which is where the smuggling usually operates from, and land using the appropriate codes. 
Then they'll get to the bridge where they'll send out a leak alarm to get everybody else off board and have control of the vessel. Shala's job is to distract and disarm anyone who could cause a problem while the rest of the crew gets all the sneaking done. Once in place, they'll send a signal that safe for the Iron Fist and its fleet to jump into system and Razor's Kiss will head towards the its escape vector. Okay, and in this one chapter, Shala has just become the MVP of everything. That's, not, that's the next chapter. What? I said so in the overview. Okay, fine. <laughs> I, I just like the part where she beat the guy, okay? Yeah. It's I thought that spot. was the MVP move. All the rest is just icing. <laughs> that's like that's gonna be my new fighting move is gonna be punch to the nose, kick to the groin. Yeah, Done. I love it. So good. It's unstoppable. <laughs> Knees for good measure, if I feel like it. I just love the wait, he was just going to shake your hand. Nah, no. He was about no. to he was about to twist my arm. That's why I punched him in the face. And he's like, I was about to twist her over our <laughs> So you could use that in any situation and they can't disprove you. Right? <laughs> just punch a guy in the face. No, he was about to twist my arm. Yeah. He was... No, I wasn't. No, the, the the stance, the way he was approaching me, I could tell. He was about to twist my arm. That's why I punched him yeah. in the face. <laughs> oh, so real. Aboard their rickety Lombada shuttle... Shala's team is mostly bored, but that means it's a well-planned mission because everything is apparently going according to plan. Mm -hmm. They make it past the security point with their codes. Shala starts to get nervous, but she thinks of her father and his training and calms down. Oh, look, a dad in Star Wars. Yeah, but he's still alive, I'm pretty sure. He seems like a good dad, too. Like She's thinking of him and she's thinking good things, which is nice. The opposite of Corrin, right? (laughs) (laughs) Also, she doesn't like... A little while, like half a half a page, and maybe, and then she's on. like, "I'm good, I'm done." I'm good. I'm My great. dad was a nice guy. All, all right, what am I having for lunch today? <laughs> the appropriate amount of time. When they land in the hangar, there's no one around. The ship doesn't even hum or vibrate, and Shala is spooked. She starts off the path to the bridge, and soon she meets a stormtrooper. He's alone, and she takes him out. It makes a little more noise than Captain Roslan would like. But not as much noise as a blaster shot would make. They continue on, and for a long time, there's nothing but scrubbing droids. After checking her map, she bumps into a lieutenant. He's not on the defensive and asks her to identify herself. She makes up some story about visiting a major for some company. And she, and as he pulls out his comlink to check, she beats him up and secretly steals his sidearm. When Rosalind and the rest arrive, there's no proof he even had a weapon, and she proves that she's doing her job well. Amazing. So good. (laughs) They get to the bridge, and they bypass security easily enough. Inside, Shala's job is technically done. While the rest of her team is busy, she takes her chance and plugs in her data pad and begins uploading Kasten's program. She hides the data pad in a pushed-in seat while it does its job, and she kicks back as nonchalant as she can appear to be. Melvar receives the signal from the Razor's Kiss and tells all ships to deploy. The Hawkbats get ready as the Sungrass launches. Inside the bridge, Shala's data pad pings that the program installation is complete. The noise attracts one of the stormtrooper, fake Stormtrooper guards. Shala claims the noise was from behind them, from beyond the blast door. While he's distracted, she gets her data pad back. 
They don't see any activity on the hollow cam they're watching, but Shala offers to go check it out. They allow it, and she creeps into the hall, pretending like she's heard something. She gets out of view of their holocam and calls back in, saying there's a group with explosives ready to take the bridge back. She offers to take them out herself, and it's approved. I was honestly on the edge of my seat, figuratively, while reading this, because I was like, this is going way too according to plan for her. Like, this is going way too well. Something bad has to happen. And then bad things kept not happening, and I was just like, oh my god, what's happening? I thought something like was gonna was gonna just happen very suddenly and yep I was very scared we're so shook yeah. up because we're so used to the wraiths being like completely incompetent at everything <laughs> yes we're not yeah. we're not used to seeing like a competent lady doing things competently yeah you know I kind of forgot that Shala joined this team yeah being like, like- I don't need to be here, but I want to be here. She requested yeah. the transfer. <laughs> yeah, I think that really shows right now. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> Shallow fires some shots into the ceiling and then leaves some explosives from her data pad. She triggers a 10-second timer and takes off running, off to escape the razor's kiss. Warlord Gabor's forces drop out of hyperspace, and Face has to pretend he's shocked it's not Coruscant. Melvar tells him the unfortunate news that the onboarding team has lost Shala in explosion as she took out the demolitions team. Face is tense. It sounds like something she'd do to cover up her, her escape, but there's no way to be sure. Oh, Face has been through so much. Face. I, poor ooh. Face. Uh, I know. I love he's, him. He's trying. Face picks out his target as Mauler, a nothing special Star Destroyer. The Hawkbats approach, along with the Vibroaxes, following their lead. I love the Vibroaxes just randomly showing up in Chapter 28 or whatever this What's is. What's up? For the Vibroaxes! Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. They all look like those new Ken dolls. Have yes. <laughs> I seriously saw them, and I was just, my first reaction, sorry, Dan, you're gonna have to bleep this, but my first reaction was they all just look like just the worst (laughs) jot that time down Danny yep got it (laughs) Wedge is struggling with catching his lap that's a great out of context statement from Rogue Padron The Hawkbat set up with Ketch's Drill, which is to shoot straight through the first wave of ties into the second wave and into the third instead of stopping to dogfight. They go through the third and fourth waves before Wedge sees Face turn around, heading back the way they came with three tie squadrons in pursuit. Rather than heading to an, to an escape pod, Shala gets into a pilot uniform and makes her way back to the hangar where they entered. She leaves a trail of bodies in her wake, which is awesome, but hasn't alerted Warlord Gabor's team to anything unusual. She climbs into an interceptor, a fancy one, even equipped with a hyperdrive and a better nav system, before she throws her last detonators to distract the stormtroopers. She flies her interceptor out, but she sticks close to the razor's kiss, mingling with the other debris from the shipbuilding station it was ripped from. Her plan was dangerous, but she hoped no one would look too closely at the sensors to see it was a live tie and not just garbage. Alston's approach is just so interesting here, where like he he focuses in on certain characters 
But like mm-hmm. for the majority of this book, it's been Face and Lara, and then suddenly in the last three chapters, it's just like all Shala all the time. It's and so like good. in any other book, it'd be really weird. But like I'm not mad about it. No, it works. Yeah, it's really fascinating to me that like how he he just like does this. The style is just really interesting to me, and, and the fact that it works so well. And I'm not even sure I can like put my finger on why I like it so much. Yeah, I can't. And like, yeah, I I'm, I agree. Like any kind of other thing written, kind of like this, I wouldn't enjoy. But somehow it's just really compelling, and it's it's believable and good. Like it's an ensemble piece, but like different characters like all come out to to get their time in the spotlight in different ways. I guess I don't know. Even Gavin Darklighter. Even well, especially Gavin Darklighter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining there will be a scene in Solo Command where it's just Gavin Darklighter being described in great detail. Oh my god. Before I hope so. Death. Like no. shirtless and glistening as he rides his steed into battle. <laughs> That's so attractive. With long flowing locks blowing oh, in the you wind lost behind me. him. Can't believe you're spoiling Solo Command for me. <laughs> Danny, come on. <laughs> Wedge feels worse about flying back toward the Viber Axes than he did flying (laughs) (laughs) the Vibro Axes than he did flying straight into the ties. The pirates are not that skilled or careful, and they basically have to avoid the crossfire from both parties. Miraculously, the Hawkbats make it through and turn again to take on more ties. The good thing is that it's a really good thing that Wedge thought of strapping Catch to himself. Pylons are definitely noticing that there is an Ewok flying a TIE fighter. (laughs) (laughs) Shala detects a wave of TIEs approaching. She floats onto a large piece of debris and powers down. The TIEs are marked with the 181st stripes, but they fly by her, probably just doing a visual check to the damage on the Razor's Kiss. Shala powers back up her comms and sends a message, trying to mask her voice as much as possible. She says, Parasite 2, go, and then continues to say she's aboard the Razor's Kiss and reports it being stolen by a band of pirates. The Mauler responds, telling her she did good work and to get to an escape pod. She hopes that this is all good enough to cover her tracks. She flies up and around the ship, now embarking on the next part of her mission. Wedge picks up on the Parasite 2 transmission. It was the Wraith code to say that one of them is in place to take out the shields on the Razor's Kiss. He figures it must be Shala because all of the Hawkbats are still in dogfights. Wedge continues his fancy flying, and Baron Sunterfell calms him, asking if he's the Ewok pilot. Because Fell won't fly with Ketch. <laughs> um... <laughs> I really enjoyed this conversation <laughs> between them. Um, yeah, this because, is a highlight. Know, Catch, yep. very curious, asks about Fell's mate. <laughs> and it's just, what an enjoyable time. Wedge is trying really hard not to roll his eyes, probably. But he agrees, hoping he can use this time to find out more about what Fell's been up to. They chat as they fly and blow up some enemies. Wedge finds out that his sister, Sial, is still with him, but she's off doing projects and not aboard Iron Fist. He also finds out that Fell thinks very little of Wedge and his flying skills. <laughs> Which, great. Super great. Uh, because Fell, of course, calls himself the best pilot in the galaxy. 
and Ketch is like, I've, I've heard of someone else. And he's like, oh, I guess Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Lara who has to, or Dia, who has to chime in and is like, no, we've been telling him about Wedge Antilles. And he's like, Wedge is a loser. <laughs> I love that Dia chimes in like, yeah, I can see what we just doing. I'm going to, I'm going to join on this. I'm going to try to help my bro out right now. <laughs> yeah. Did not work. <laughs> but what really upsets Wedge the most is that Fel seems very happy and comfortable in Warlord Gabor's service. He knows that at their next encounter, he might just have to kill his brother-in-law. The Mauler uh, is defeated by Iron family Fist. Family feels. Drama. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I know you already kind of said this, but I just love that Wedge was having this entire conversation in like, "Quote unquote primitive Ewok speak." <laughs> you have mate, and Fel was like, "I'm talking to an Ewok. I guess I have to talk like an Ewok." Yes, I have mate. Mate, good. Yeah, that Great. was the funny part to me, where like he adjusted to like come down to the Ewok level. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like nobody else has been talking like that to catch. <laughs> right, right. But for whatever reason, he felt like, oh. I need to be able to communicate. It's, I mean, I see this a lot um, because I work in international studies. So I see this a lot with people who um, are trying to talk to like ESL students mm, and are thinking uh, that they're yeah. dumb. You <laughs> know, speak English. Yeah, you talk like right. super slowly. You almost add like a bit of, a, of an accent. Yeah, right. I've seen that too. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, that's not okay. Like everyone else just just you know talks pretty normally to catch and then fell's like you know fell have mate smart mate <laughs> fell probably thinks he's being like yeah real good about well, it but absolutely. he's just not <laughs> he thinks he's like being super nice and like accommodating right but like oh. that or that or he is genuinely just doing it to be a bad a jerk a jerk there we go <laughs> a bad <laughs> I was like what is the word I could use to substitute a swear word he's being a bad he's being a <laughs> bad best human pilot <laughs> oh jeez so good also I just like feel really bad for Wedge if <laughs> Fel ever figures out that this was him oh no <laughs> oh yeah yep. cause it's like it's so awkward that He's like doing like he's I don't know how to mm, yeah it's awkward, <laughs> super yeah. awkward. I, yeah. I you just you, you can imagine like we can all imagine a person in our lives where like you want to know like details about them but you don't want them to know that you want to know and you're yeah. like so you like go out your way to figure it out and it's just so uncomfortable if they figure out that you were doing that. <laughs> yep. Oh, so weird. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Especially if you're being an Ewok to do it. <laughs> exactly, right. Like, Wedge is, like, pulling <laughs> that off this That makes it whole... even worse. <laughs> yeah, like, especially if Fel, like, then thinks, like, oh, the whole reason that they had Lieutenant Ketch was so that he could find out things about me. Which is yep. not, <laughs> not entirely true. true. It was just a dumb prank that got way out of control. <laughs> right. But I can just oh, imagine no. next time they're there, Fel being like, I can't believe you went to all that work just to pry into my personal life. And Wedge is like, wait, no. Actually, here's what happened. And Fel would just and be then like, Wedge, sure. Uh-huh. That's what happened. Right. <laughs> and, and then, then Wedge just... will punch him in the nose and then kick him in the groin. Done. <laughs> yeah. Done. <great. laughs> 
<laughs> you said I was a bad pilot. <laughs> <laughs> let Wedge, let Wedge have this. So the Mauler is defeated by Iron Fist, but there are still plenty of Star Destroyers still coming their way. The pilots get the call from Melvar, telling them to come back because the Razor's Kiss is close to its escape point. The Hawkbats head back toward the Iron Fist and the Sungrass, who have, prote- who have been protecting the new Super Star Destroyer from enemies. Iron Fist has sus- sustained some damage and is still being strafed by TIE Fighters. Piggy says, I don't have enough kills, which is code that Piggy is going in toward the Iron Fist now that they have the opportunity to do so without raising suspicion. Face tells him negative, but Piggy says he doesn't hear him and goes off anyway. Piggy, no. <laughs> so good, though. This isn't that, hero like, time. Like, Face, I know Face that trick of, the, oh, I'm static, I can't hear you, leader, and, like, goes and leaves. And now Piggy's doing it. He's just like, I learned it from watching you, Dad. Well, I'm just imagining Piggy <laughs> and his fighter being absolutely giddy with himself, too. Just like, I'm going to go save the day now. <laughs> right. What's so that? Happy. Can't hear you. Here I go. Right. Face does order Atiria to go with him. Piggy and Tyria rush toward the Iron Fist with some enemy TIE fighters. Face is listening to them over the comms, and he hears Tyria say that their friend Mort is one with the universe. This is code that Piggy was able to make it onto the surface of Iron Fist. Because a Mort is a parasite, I guess. Was anyone else <laughs> really confused at that line? I had to Not- it like 20 times before I was like, oh, okay, he's alive. I think it's just you. Reed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of got it, but I, I kind of took me a moment to realize that like they were using Mort as like a name. I just thought it was some weirdly constructed sentence. You're like, who's Mort? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was so confused. I was like, wait, who? Did Mort! <laughs> Come on, Heath, Mort! <laughs> He's been here the whole time. <laughs> He's just to the left of the camera every shot. <laughs> <laughs> the sungrass is... Oh, let's see. Okay, so Piggy is hanging out in his tie in what was only a semi-controlled crash. He's in a disadvantaged position, but if anybody can get out of it, it's Piggy. The Sungrass is back in the hangar of Iron Fist. Face comes out to see a bunch of pirate captains arguing with Melvar. The leader of the Vibro Axes is saying that they were lied to and they don't want any accounts for payment but hard goods. I don't know where these bros came from, but (laughs) they need to just get out. (laughs) Yeah, chill. Yeah. Face walks over and takes his payment from Melvar. It's a data pad that gives them directions on how to access an account made for them on Hallmad. Melvar congratulates Face on their low casualty, 27%, and impressive kill rate. It will earn them some bonuses, which, great. Um, I just want to say that while I was reading, I was so excited to see how much Melvar was in these chapters because I knew Meg was going to have to say it over and over. <laughs> so many times. <laughs> I'm so impressed by how easily you slip into doing that nerd voice just for the name and then go back to normal. I can't do that. And I'm very impressed. It's only with the nerd voice. <laughs> when Face asks about the payment, he states that he trusts. When Face is asked about the payment, he states that he trusts Warlord Gabor. It's in Warlord Gabor's own best interest to come through on payments for the pirates or no one would work for him again or think of him as an enemy. Melvar states that the Hawkbats are once again making the intelligent decision. 
The Sungress makes their first hyperspace jump straight toward Halmed. They rendezvous with the Mon Ramonda and a few other New Republic vessels. Wedge makes it up to the bridge to meet Han, who is peeved that Wedge didn't ask how he was, and explains that they haven't had any word from the tracking yet. Wedge is anxious because Piggy only has a limited amount of life support, and it runs out before. And if it runs out before he has a chance to signal, none of his options are good, which are to flee, surrender, or try to sneak aboard the Razor's Kiss. And no one wants to sneak aboard a ship called the Razor's Kiss. Nope. Oh. <laughs> no. No uh... one. <laughs> <laughs> Han tells him to calm down that they can use this time to rest and that's of course right when they get a ping from the dawn programming <gasps> thankfully the Monramanda is closest to Warlord Gabor's position they mark a space on Warlord Gabor's most likely course to jump into Han plans to disperse his fleet to cut off as many of their exits as he can Wedge is a little worried, considering one of his ships is the Tedevium, sure, which is a training ship. They have a newly graduated class of Y-Wings to help, but that's uh, about it. We'll just see don't how even it bother. Goes. Yeah, what's <laughs> the point? You're better off without them. Roslan is talking with Warlord Gabor over the comms. The accuracy of Razor's Kiss weapons are good, but it took them three times as much power to jump through hyperspace as it should have. There is minimal damage overall, so they really are taking a good prize. I just realized why Roslan's name upsets me. Aslan? Because it's one letter away from the lion from the... <laughs> yeah! From the from <laughs> the Narnia. Narnia. Jesus, Jesus lion. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, I'm just imagining that he's a giant lion. He is. It is so... We can have a horse face. We can have a dude with a lion face. <laughs> the Monromanda and other ships jump into the system right in the way of the Razor's Kiss and Iron Fist so they can't go to hyperspace. They continue their course, thinking that two star Super Star Destroyers against one lone Mon Calamari cruiser isn't even a battle. Chala wakes up at a start, realizing she fell asleep and almost used her life support up. Continuing her string of being a badass. Right. I have limited <laughs> amount of life support. I think I'll take a nap. Woke up just in time. <laughs> she notices a ship out in the distance, but hesitates to use her sensors. But then the ship powers up at shields. The, the Razor's Kiss powers up at shields. And she decides that they have more pressing matters to attend to and powers up. Wedge and Wraith Squadron emerge from Juan Ramonda. Dia is still an interceptor, but painted with Wraith colors, hopefully to disguise that she was just in a battle as a hawk bat. Rogue Squadron, an A-Wing Squadron, and a B-Wing Squadron join them. They stick with their cruiser because no ties have been deployed yet. <laughs> the Y-Wing Squadron is still on its way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Piggy, remember, attached to the Iron Fist, Tries to turn on his interceptor, but it remains powered down. Shala waits until the New Republic fighters are 30 seconds away from firing range before lifting off and taking out the topside shield generators. The captain aboard the Razor's Kiss reports the shield failure to Warlord Gabor, who is not happy about it. He instructs Razor's Kiss to use them as a shield as they change course. They deploy all fighters. Wedge, bring, Wedge, who is superior commander of all four of these squadrons, brings the squadrons around 
across the tu- the death tunnel of Iron Fist's firing barrage and into sight of the Razor's Kiss. They start their attack runs, and Shala is able to have them tag her as a friendly. Razor Kiss's bridge is taken out, and the s- snub, not snug, snub fighters, <laughs> there we go, move toward the engine as they're notified of the impeding ties. Warlord Gabor is unable to raise any of his people from inside Razor's Kiss. The whole thing is covered in fires, ones that could be handled if it did have a full crew. He suddenly gets a transmission from a trooper who is who is going to take the auxiliary br- bridge back from Warlord Gabor. He offers that he'd rather see Razor's Kiss survive in Warlord Gabor's hands than s- see it destroyed by the rebels. Melvar will walk him through how to solve the Razor's Kiss controls to theirs. Warlord Gabor is reminded that there is some good in the world after all. Uh-huh. Piggy is trying to fix his tie. He has figured out the problem. An engine, an entire engine, isn't working. So he's going to reroute the circuit and hopefully get it flying. Yeah, For this a moment, is fine. <laughs> yeah. Great. An entire engine uh, isn't oh, working. Yeah. Is that it? That's the only problem? <laughs> no, MBD. Huh. For a moment, he wishes Kel was there to help but he knows he really doesn't wish anyone he likes to be in the same position as him. Just for context, if I'm driving like five, a five minute drive and my car decides to tell me that the entire engine isn't working, I just give up. I'm never making it to my destination. You know, I wouldn't give up. My car is falling apart and I'm still driving it. So I, I understand not giving up on it. Okay, Piggy's better than all of us except except Saf. Yeah, clearly that's. <laughs> I mean, Piggy, here. Piggy Saf fixes Piggy. his thing. I'm not better than Piggy. At least Piggy fixes his broken car. I would just sit there in the motorway and cry. Right, that's what I was getting at. I wouldn't give up. <laughs> Wedge orders the A wings to cut through the incoming enemies first, followed by Rogue Squadron to mess up their formation and throw them off guard. The race will hang back and protect the B-Wings, who can do the most damage to the Razor's Kiss. Faces rightly in awe of the A-Wing's speed and Rogue Squadron's undeniable skill. Laura brings them back to the matter at hand, and they are assigned two members of Nova Squadron to protect. Laura makes Ace, and Face knows that they're basically going to be offering themselves up as a distraction, like the pilots on the first Death Star. Great, Face. This is We had to be really positive. Wedge comes the rogues to ask if the 181st is there. They are, and Wedge regrets that he has to stay in place, but he'll meet them soon enough. To make himself feel better, he gets a kill one second into a dogfight against four ties. The Monromanda gets into position in front of Iron Fist. They'll continue to match its course and to roll to keep fully charged guns aimed at her at all times. Han braces himself for the slugging match that's about to begin. Piggy's ship is back online, even though the systems tell him it's not. But there is no use listening to people or systems who are inclined to tell you you can't do something. He targets a shield generator dome on the Iron Fist and gets a lock. Piggy is so good. So good. I I would attend a TED Talk by Piggy. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Oh, I want that. I want that. The cockpit of Wedge's X-Wing is smoking, and he's having a hard time taking care of his last remaining B-Wing. As he misses a tie, it still explodes from lateral fire. 
General Crispy Crespin is here with his screaming Wookiees Y-Wing squadron. <laughs> <laughs> they finally made it. <laughs> they take over protection duty of the Nova squadron and the race are ordered to join the rogues. What's okay. really important about this um, exchange is that Crispy calls Wedge Sunny and I guess they're friends now. Oh, that's so cute. I think it's important to point out that the Y-Wing squadron has recognized that they're the worst, and so they're trying to distract from that fact by giving themselves a sweet nickname, like the Screaming Wookiees. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like, like a rock band. Yeah, but still, like, Screaming Wookiees doesn't really strike fear. <laughs> it's more like, oh, that'd be so annoying. Like, this baby Wookiee's, like, crying on the plane the oh, whole way to Orlando. So annoying. Oh my god. <laughs> like, that's what it sounds like. Because it's not like yelling Wookiees or it's just the word screaming has such a particular connotation. It's not like Wookiees going into battle and like doing war cry Wookiees. Yeah, Yeah, that would be better than screaming (laughs) Wookiees. They're just screaming. (laughs) 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 Danny, that was a pretty good Wookiee. Wait, which voice were you doing that sounded like Grover? That was Ak- <laughs> that was Akbar. <laughs> that was so good. Warlord Gabor orders them to take out Monra Manda's engines. Then they'll have no way out. Otherwise, they have no way out. Otherwise, and the Mon Cala cruiser actually has more firepower in this position than they do. They can squeak by and run if they're able to stop them. Shala joins the race with her modified interceptor and joins as Wedge's wingmate. Suddenly, a port side shield dome of the Iron Fist explodes with a tide drunkenly flying away from it and the battle. The Iron Fist manages to take out Monramanda's engines, but that's when they lose the shields. Orla Gabor knows that there's nothing they can do and gives the instructions for them to recall the fighters, get to flank speed, and for Razor's Kiss to abandon ship. They've lost this battle. A laser blast punches through faces, co- shields, and cockpit. This is fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> the worst part is that it's right after Warlord Gabor is like, all right, we have to retreat. And you're like, yay, they made it. And then yeah. here's face, and, and it goes, Pew! I'm just going to read this because there's really no way for me to describe it. <clears throat> <laughs> Face caught sight of the interceptors emerging from the flurry of fighters headed their way. Thirteen, incoming! He turned into the path of the incoming ties, threw all discretionary power onto the forward shields. Too late. Laser fire from the lead interceptor punched through his unboosted shield and then through his cockpit. He felt a sudden blast of agonizing heat to his left side, then cold just as intense. He watched in idle curiosity as his vision changed. First as the atmosphere of his cockpit was vented, then as the emergency magcon field on his suit came up and tried to cope with the sudden vacuum. He caught a glimpse of the red stripe on his attacker's solar wing arrays as it sped past. Eight, can you hear me? There was no response, and Face felt a distant sadness. Eight, whoever he was, must have been vaped. Eight, this is thirteen, can you hear me? There was a set... There was an additional squeal from Vape, Face's R2 unit, and Face wished the whole universe would just shut up for a while. Squad, this is 13. We need help here. I can't handle these two. Ray 3 here. 4 and I are coming in. Hold on. 5 here. I'm almost there. 
I took Face another long moment to understand. He was hit. He was done. He couldn't move for the pain. Iron Fist loomed in the near distance ahead. He was going to crash and his debt would be paid. He should have had he should have felt peace with that. Peace was what he expected all this time, but it eluded him. Was something left undone? Well, there was that second shield projector dome. If he could make his hand move, he might be able to steer straight into it. If the destroyer's guns didn't get him, if its shields didn't destroy him, he might, just might, be able to angle into that dome and destroy it too. The odds one in a million, less really, but it seemed like a good way to go out. He brought his cold, cold hand up to the pilot's yoke and gripped it. He couldn't feel his fingers close on it, but he could see them. Got him, got him. Damn it, he slipped by. This is five. I'm on the second one. Hold him, hold him. He's not shaking me, three. You see after eight. Oh, yes, he was eight. Why were they worried about him? Didn't they realize he was already dead? No, they didn't. Bless their optimistic little hearts. They actually thought he was going to make it. Now he knew how Fanon had felt with face fussing over him. The rates didn't realize it was his time, time to balance the account. The account doesn't need balancing. Tan Fanon's voice from some forgotten conversation. You can't reduce sapient lives to numbers and exchange them like credits. The snub fighter shuddered again as more laser fire hit him. It must have hit the X-Wing's rear. At least he wasn't feeling any more pain. Iron Fist was getting bigger. And Tan was right. Tan, who had suffered from the Empire's successes as much as anyone he'd ever met, should know. He didn't have to close out his account now. An X-Wing blast passed him to port, juking and jinking. He thought he recognized it as Wraith-11, Tyria. If she was doing that, she was being pursued. With his numbed fingers, he brought up his targeting system and swung it just to the port of his flight path. An interceptor flashed into his brackets and he fired. With detached interest, he watched the laser blast shear through its starboard wing and pylon straight into the canopy. The interceptor exploded and bits of it glowed as they bounced off the forward shields. Dono's voice. Nice shot, 8. Are you back with us? I'm here. 8, this is 13. I'm coming up beside you. Laura slid in place to starboard, then ahead. I'm going to lead you back to Terevium. Will you follow me? Sure. Can you make it? Sure. Wake me up if I fall asleep. Will do. So Face didn't die. <laughs> Thank God. Oh, I would not have been okay. <laughs> I was so scared. Oh, he sure thought about Tom a lot, though. Yeah. The greatest love story that never was. It's so true! <laughs> oh, so true. Wedge finally gets a path to reach the 181st, but they're all running back toward the Iron Fist. All the stunt fighters who can chase them do, taking out easy kills but they're all gone in hyperspace before they reach them. Escape pods are being jettisoned from Razor's Kiss before it finally explodes in a brilliant flash. Sometime later, <laughs> Wedge, meets Han. <laughs> Wedge meets Han on the bridge of the Mon Ramonda. Han is feeling cruddy about losing Warlord Gabor, despite them taking out a whole superstar destroyer and injuring him. He's sick of having to wait until next time. Han asks Wedge about Wedge's squad, and Face is going to be okay, and they managed to pick up Piggy. This time, the Wraith suffered no losses. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so After two people who already died. This it book. was kind of surprising. <laughs> I wonder if Han Solo's increased presence towards the end of this book is any indication for the next book. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Wedge asks... 
what it feels like to be someone's personal enemy. Hun hates it, but he can't hand off this assignment until there's someone equally motivated. Until then, they'll just drink. Melbar, he's. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this more in the next book, but yes. he's he's having a rough go of it right now. He sure is. Well, like, so while this is happening, Leia's off in the courtship of Princess Leia. Kind of prelude to it. Oh, um, so he's real worried about his feelings also <laughs> yeah and he's like yeah. gotten he's like fully into the rebellion now obviously and he's right. like stuck he's in a- this assignment that like basically everyone hates him because of it <laughs> like poor guy poor han poor han melvar comes to give warlord gabor report of their losses warlord gabor thinks it was one of the pirates who managed to put a tracker on the iron fist there's no additional suspicion toward the Hawkbat specifically, which is good for the Wraiths. And good for Rogue Padron, because that means more Hawkbats in our future. Yee, Hawkbats! More Lieutenant Ketch! Yes. Warlord Gabor orders that they retrieve every piece of the Razor's Kiss they can and bring it back to Rancor Base. Melvar doesn't understand why, but Warlord Gabor just tells him to do it. The Wraiths barge into Face's sick bay room, where him and Dia are probably having a tender moment. Stroking some brain tails. Stroking some brain tails. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> She's stroking him with her brain tails. Oh Even no. better. <laughs> um Can they move on their own? They do they can, can't they? They twitch. Yeah, I don't know if they, they twitch. Can they like they fully move them. though? Like I don't think so. I, mean, I bet if they get buff enough, they can. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so if anyone like has this. sentient brain tails, it's got to be Dia, right? Absolutely. Oh, no. I'm picturing the brain tails with like little dumbbells, like doing exercises. <laughs> okay, but, okay, but what if we didn't talk about sentient brain tails? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you're so bothered about this. <laughs> Just imagine the it's next Wraith Squadron fun. workout montage and it like goes down the line of the Wraith lifting weights and then there's Dia and she's lifting two weights <laughs> normal style but also her brain oh, tells oh her lifting God. two weights behind oh her. Okay, oh, no. that, that, that I am into. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Oh no. Uh, the race Was this a dramatic reading? Does it start here? Not yet. Not yet, Okay. So the race, um, let's see. Wedge presents Face a trophy, an award for the mechanic's nightmare. Face turned in his X-Wing in the worst shape the mechanics had ever seen a fighter, and he came back the same in human form. He had to be cut out of his cockpit. Parts of him and his X-Wing were intermingled. More seriously, Wedge promotes Shala to lieutenant. She even gets to paint half a Star Destroyer on her X-Wing for what she did to take down the Razor's Kiss. Which is so cool. <laughs> Alright, now we do a dramatic reading. Now it's the stroking. Okay. <laughs> now, now it's the stroking. <laughs> Dia, still stroking Face's forehead, suddenly frowned. Say, what's this? The surprise in her voice caused the others to quiet down. Dia pinched at Face's skin, and the others could see that a tiny flap of skin at the corner of Face's scar was loose. 
She tugged at it. Face squirmed. Uh, well, this is something new. I haven't had an opportunity to tell you. She continued tugging and the scar began to come up at the edge as though it were some sort of applique with pink, healthy skin beneath it. Face? Face sighed. <sighs> Get involved with a woman and she thinks she can tear your face off. Dia pulled and half the scar was in her hand, leaving the right side of his face unmarred. She gave a final tug, and the rest of the applique came free, dangling in her fingers. Her expression was incredulous as she looked down at him. Where he had once worn a scar, his flesh looked pink and new, but definitely undamaged. Face looked around at all the wraiths peering at him. He shrugged. Tom Fannin's fault. He left me some money. Enough for some elective surgery. Or it would go to someone I hated. I pretty much had to do what he wanted. Well, it suits you. Dia said. You look almost as young as you did in the Black Panther. He stared up at her accusingly. You said you'd never seen any of my holodramas. She smiled. <laughs> I lied. Runt reached out the door and tugged in a rolling cart. It was laden with bottles and cooler buckets and glasses. <sighs> Face cannot drink yet, he said. But we can drink to him. <laughs> <laughs> He handed the bottle off to Jansen. Jansen began prying at the seal. Oh my god. And to Ton Fannin and Keston Don. Dia said. <laughs> and to Scars, you can peel off whenever you no longer need them. Face said. And to. Dia dropped the rubbery false scar into his mouth. <laughs> and. She said. To friends who don't try to fool you all the time. Face pulled the false scar out and gave her a rueful look. Dia, this is Wraith Squadron. You're never going to have that. <laughs> it's over! Beautiful. Really beautiful. Meg, we keep ending up in relationships in these readings. We sure do. <laughs> I also love so that good. Saf has taken on different characters separately throughout traumatic readings and then now some of them all keep converging in the same readings to talk to I each hate, other. I hate it so much. <laughs> it's really good. It's great. I really, when I was a kid, I really, really wanted to be a voice actor. And now that I'm doing this, I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't follow through on that dream. It's <laughs> the closest I'll ever get. So good. Should we do some listener responses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. have to read these. These were good um, because we had a really good question last week. It was, which rogue or wraith would you want to take to prom and why? Sarah G said, I dance with Wiz because he has something funny to say. He always has something funny to say, and I wouldn't have to stress about making small talk. Oh, that's like, that's yeah, good. That's Same. That's super that's real. That's super real. <laughs> Nancy said, Luke was once a rogue, so obviously I pick him. But out Nancy. of the current. Yeah. <laughs> out of the current rogues, Corin, because someone has to keep that boy in line. And then out of the race, she picked Face. Heart eyes emoji. Yes. Ian Miller said, My pilot date is a three way tie between Tycho Min and Lara Gara, slash whoever she is now. <laughs> <laughs> Tycho, because he's so noble. Min because he's so dead inside, and Lara because I want to be her anchor. Ooh. Winky face. Oh. Winky. I'm glad, That's serious. 
I'm glad someone else understands the dead inside thing. <laughs> and then I like how he slipped three way in there. Yeah. yeah. Nice. But then I yelled at him for taking Tycho, so sorry. <laughs> News of the Galaxy said I would go with Dia to prom because because of all the wonderful things she does. Oh, that's a good Wizard of Oz reference there. <laughs> Also, I can find out what Leku feel like. Oh, With no. her consent. Come on, News of the Galaxy. Here we go again. <laughs> Spitfire said I'd want to go to Rogue, uh, Rogue Wraith Prom with Wedge and Tycho and Wiz and Hobby because so much fun and yet probably so disastrous at the same time. Wedge and Tycho would be gentlemen. Wiz and Hobbs, not so much. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> This, this, like, group of rogue race people, we're not good at monogamy, apparently. Yeah. No. Not happening. <laughs> Neither are I mean... any of the rogues or wraiths, and we all know it. <laughs> oh, true. They're, they're all outwardly in monogamous relationships, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes of these books that we're not seeing. But I'm just saying, Face will never forget Ton fan. <laughs> right. Never. Oh, no. Ton. Ton. I hope he has a Ton body pillow. Oh, <laughs> Meg, no. He just asked Dia to pretend like she has emotional baggage from time to time. Oh, no. Will you put on this robot eye really fast? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> he gives her that letter that Ton wrote and asks her to read it out loud. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, this got really dark. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, back back to prom. <laughs> Yay, prom. <laughs> Tom said I would hang out with the droids playing Old Republic Battlefront at the anti-prom land party. <laughs> but if I was ordered to dance, then I would naturally take Lieutenant Ketch as my date. He'd look great in his bow tie and sequin vest. So true. Oh. Okay, you know that Melvar is the one who's organizing that anti-prom party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Jay said, my actual answer is a pilot who doesn't join Rogue Squad till the New Jedi Order, so I'll not say the name. Hmm. Could he be referring to a daughter of one of the main characters? Hmm. Problem. <laughs> Instead, Lara, since she's my actual answer, is a pilot. Oh, I copied his answer twice, I guess. Jeez. Instead, Lara, since she's described as being from Coruscant. Of course. Greg said... Controversial opinion. I actually don't think there's anyone I'd want to invite as a date. I'd like to attend, though, and hang out with Face. You know what? That's fair. Yeah. Also, quick shout-out to Greg, because when I read Fe uh, Wedge being Kitch, I imagine it as one of the D&D characters he plays so much. Oh. So he, he is just Kitch in my head. That is that an is honor. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Congratulations, Greg. You are Kitch. Ben Yendal said Vort because he'd sit on the side discussing weird mathematical problems and oddities of people. Also, he dances better. Wow, we have a lot of nerds in our listener base. What is this? Wow, so surprising. There's a bunch of nerds. <laughs> wow. Isn't it weird that a bunch of nerds would listen to a Star Wars book club podcast? I don't know. I thought we were surprising. the cool Star Wars podcast. That's dude, bro. We are. These are cool. Cool nerd answers. We're the Being a nerd is cool. The Star Wars podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! We are the screaming Wookies of Star Wars <laughs> podcast. That's probably more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Except we're like the the Vratrix, where we just get up in top of the trees and yell. 
was screaming. <laughs> I forgot about that. Never forget the Raytrix. Never oh, forget Bit of the Y. Us. That is definitely us. Oh. oh, no. Jenna said wedge so I wouldn't have to dance and we could leave early. Jenna. Oh. Oh. You have to do one obligatory dance. And yeah. Then yeah. Dinner leader said, Shala, I would be so safe. <laughs> yeah, but don't piss her off. That's, that's a really good answer. punch you in the face and knee you in the groin. <laughs> that's really good. Hassan said, Eresy, because who doesn't want a bad girl? <laughs> that's fair. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You really are. This was a revealing question. And I yeah. I love how many responses we get because this was another week where I forgot to like post a re- reminder on Twitter to get people to answer. So all of these people responded after hearing it. So I, I, I did. Good. I did the thing. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah, Danny. <laughs> I got a hope something. <laughs> <sighs> Danny. But look at what it produced. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Matt O'Connor said, Shala, because she is smart, friendly, and could kick my butt. Also, dimples. Fair. Ben Warman said, I would take either Lara or Face. Depends on whether I wanted to dance or just people watch and make sarcastic comments. And for the record, Danny's answer to last week's question was legit. Hot chocolate already exists in the Star Wars universe. Thank Tim Zahn. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Doesn't Lando's favorite drink? Lando Gunner or something? Isn't it a thing? Yeah, it's Luke Skywalker's favorite drink. Yeah. After Lando showed him how to make it. And after cuz remember we read that thing for Nancy, the the um proposal and then she drinks hot chocolate at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I totally thought about that being a thing. No, it's real. And it's canon it's now too. I think it's an heir to the Jedi maybe. Probably. <laughs> there's read it, there's so a lot of food in that book. It's not canon to me. <laughs> Anyway, I, thank you, Ben. I almost, I almost didn't read that on air because I didn't want to give Danny the satisfaction, but <laughs> I was in a good mood. <laughs> That's what she said. RJ, what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to give Danny the satisfaction, but I was in a good mood. It's funny, okay? <laughs> oh no! Okay. Okay. Oh no! <laughs> I mean. That's what she said to you. We've, oh, we no. may need to have a talk. What is the timestamp on this? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Leave it in. Leave it in. <laughs> uh, Marjade Shade, which is an awesome username, by the way, said, TBH, there would probably be a sad, sad raffle, and then I'd end up going with Corin and giving him an allergic reaction. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so good. Are you an otter so person? <laughs> See, Danny, I tweeted that. We need to start reading each other's tweets when we tweet. As <laughs> you <friend>. really should. <laughs> I get alerted. I have an alert for all the Rogue Podron tweets, so I know what you fools are up to. <laughs> oh no, mom is always watching. <laughs> I only ever tweet the episodes, and then once in a very great while, when I'm really excited about the listener question, I'll tweet that out too. Yeah. Fair. Otherwise, I leave all the lowercase tweeting to Heath. 
<laughs> yeah, if there's a capital letter in the tweet, you know it wasn't me. That's you don't have to look and see like what device it was tweeted from. You just look to see if there's capital letters or not. <laughs> Mika said, "I would go with Squeaky because he's got exactly the right kind of humor and he's the best at mixing drinks. Also, he glistens." Totally fair. Mm. Raising Fangirl said, I would take my wife to the Wraith Squadron prom because she's the best and because she reads my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Smart move, buddy. Nice. <laughs> nice. It's really good. Uh, glistening Bodies. Just oh, everyone. Oh. Definitely Shala Din- because yeah, she's safe. Yeah. Dinner leader. Dinner leader so gets safe. a glistening Bodie. Yeah. Yeah. I would be so safe. <laughs> I love it. This, the best part, it's the brevity. Right? Yeah. I would be so sick. Like, like Tom the Fanboy. What did you think would happen? Yeah. Also, Tom the Fanboy, because the anti-prom land party is hilarious. It's real. Also, the idea of Kitsch in a sequined vest and a bow tie is so cute. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 answer. yeah. Great. Good job, everyone. Um, are we doing any question this week since we're taking some time off? Probably not. Probably shouldn't. Yeah. yeah okay. We'll forget about it. <laughs> yeah, so no listener questions. Just tell us how week. great we are. Just, we, you know yeah, we tell, like that. Tell us your favorite thing about us. Or actually, your listener <laughs> question this week is, um, why do you like Rogue Padron, but don't tweet it to us, put it in an iTunes review. <laughs> <laughs> Good question, <And> Danny. <laughs> just so everyone knows, Danny literally typed that in the show notes as he said it out loud for some reason. <laughs> it's official now. <laughs> great it's on record great all right <laughs> go do that leave us a nice review hit us up on twitter at rogue Podron. find us at our website roguepodron.tumblr.com email us roguepodron at gmail.com and subscribe to us via the fa- no via the rogue Podron feed on itunes <laughs> leave us a review on there or you can subscribe to the whole far far away radio feed if you want to on iTunes, Stitcher, FeedBurner, and Google Play. Yeah, so next time, we're actually taking a break, and we'll be back in three-ish weeks with our State of the Squadron about Iron Fist, and then following that, we'll be starting X-Wing Solo Command. The chapter breakdown for Solo Command will be available on Twitter soon. So until then, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash out. Pew, 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 If I can see it, then I can do it. If I just believe it, there's nothing to it. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. I think about it every night. What have we done? What have we become? We've done so much. We're living our best podcast lives. This is the legacy we'll leave behind. Great. I'm, this is the legacy I want to leave behind. A hundred years from now, when they shoot our X-Wing coffins out into the stars, they'll be like, what is the legacy of these four individuals? And they'll just play an episode of Rogue Potter at our funerals. 
They're gonna play bro. And like... <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no. Bro. Bro. Yo, bro. Bro. And they'll be like, who is Kitten Lormat? Nobody knows. Nobody knows who that is. Warlord Gabor. <laughs> I straight up forgot, like, I was looking at it and I was like, what is his real name? <laughs> I was just sitting there, like, I kind of zoned out for like five minutes because I was just like, what is he called? And I couldn't just Google Warlord Gabor because obviously it wouldn't come up with it. <laughs> I mean, you could. The first thing that comes up is Rogue Potter Mission 5-7. Warlord Gabor is the son of a scritch, scritch, scritch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that wouldn't have answered my question. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Oh no. I love this.